This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. Basically, a couple years ago, or I wouldn't say like around 2016, 2017, I started noticing I was getting a large influx of fatty liver patients and their primary carers would basically say, you know, this patient has elevated LFTs or they're having, they have evidence of fatty liver on ultrasound. So they would send a GI and we would basically say, all right, diet, exercise, come back in six months and we'll recheck everything and see how it goes. And obviously that didn't work for anybody. Um, the patients weren't getting any better and we were getting frustrated. And so I started looking into obesity medicine as part of uh, a GI practice. And I went through the whole course of study, became certified because I want to be able to tell the patients more than go diet and exercise. I want to give them a plan to say what they should be eating or what their nutrition should be, what, what is exercise, like what activity levels should they be doing? And not just that, but also applying this to the other parts of their life. This is Gastro Broadcast presented by Gastrologics, and I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Matthew. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Supriya Rao from Integrated Gastroenterology Consultants in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Dr. Rao takes a multifaceted approach to her practice, helping her patients improve their overall health by focusing on things like weight management, stress, anxiety, sleep, and nutrition. She's also an advocate for health equity and for increased representation of women in medicine. She's a total dynamo, and I'm excited to hear what Dr. Rao has been up to. Dr. Rao, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Tell me a bit more about your practice and the community in which you serve. So I practice about 30 minutes north of Boston in a uh, town called Chelmsford and also the Greater Lowell area. And our uh, the community we service is pretty mixed, I would say. Uh, we have a large Cambodian population in Lowell. It's actually the second largest Cambodian settlement in the United States after um, uh, there was migration from Cambodia uh, after Pol Pot's regime. And so it's basically a very multi, um, di a very diverse community, including, you know, Hispanic population, the Cambodian population, like I mentioned. Um, and it's a very wonderful place to work. I have to say I've enjoyed it. I, this is my first job out of fellowship and it's been wonderful since 2014. And what is your role within the practice? So I'm one of the managing partners in my practice. And so I look at, I handle a lot of the day-to-day -day that goes on operations. I work with our, um, our office manager to go over what's been going on from day to day, human resources, uh, new lines of service, ancillaries. So we work on what's going on in the practice from a day to day perspective, looking at the finances every day. And so I work with our three other managing partners to, uh, you know, look at the operations of the practice. I'm curious to know a little bit more about the history of your practice and how you found yourself in a leadership role so early in your career. Right. So my practice has been in the Lowell area for at least the last 20 years. And when I joined, I actually hadn't hired anyone for the previous 10 years. And so I came at kind of a growth period for this practice. And my interest when I was exiting fellowship was within motility. And so I went during my third year of fellowship, I did a lot of esophageal manometry and pH uh, studies, learning how to read those as well as the anorectal motility studies. And this was something that was really necessary in the community because 
uh, when I joined the practice, they were currently only being offered at the tertiary care centers in most in most uh, instances. And so they were interested in the fact that I had this kind of niche and wanted me to bring it to the community because they were losing a lot of patients to Boston or a lot of the times the patients just wouldn't get the procedure at all and would just suffer with whatever they were dealing with because they thought that going driving 30 minutes to Boston is a really big deal. And so a lot of, like when I first started out for the first six months as I was starting up my practice, they, um, I, I was having a hard time getting patients to do this. And so I was like, basically wanted to build a motility center within the practice uh, at the hospital. And so my practice was very supportive. And that was one of the reasons why I joined was because they said to me uh, when I was interviewing that it would be my, if I want to build something, I would have the opportunity to build, build a program that would service the community. And so that's always been my thing is being able to bring tertiary care uh, tertiary level care to the community so they wouldn't have to travel to uh, Boston in order to have the procedures done. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, you've always had a real hunger for practice improvement and developing service lines um, and an opportunity in your practice to really um, innovate, which is exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's been great. The support that I received when I started has, was wonderful. And so when I became a partner, I realized, you know, that's something I want to foster and continue on as well. <laughs> and your clinical interests include nutrition and obesity medicine. Tell us more about how you apply this in your practice. Sure. So basically a couple of years ago, or I would say like around 2016, 2017, I started noticing I was getting a large influx of fatty liver patients and their primary cares would basically say, you know, this patient has elevated LFTs or they're having, they have evidence of fatty liver on ultrasound. So they would send a GI and we would basically say, all right, diet, exercise, come back in six months and we'll recheck everything and see how it goes. And obviously that didn't work for anybody. Um, the patients weren't getting any better and we were getting frustrated. And so I started looking into obesity medicine as part of uh, a GI practice. And I went through the whole course of study, became certified because I want to be able to tell the patients more than go diet and exercise. I want to give them a plan to say what they should be eating or what their nutrition should be. What What is exercise? Like what activity levels should they be doing? And not just that, but also applying this to the other parts of their life. And, you know, we're on our phones all day, making sure that you're getting proper sleep and managing your stress levels and if need be, adding medications into it. And so I ended up pairing with the bariatric surgery program. Uh, we have a pretty robust bariatric surgery service at our hospital, and we uh, decided to make this comprehensive uh, weight management center that was both medical as well as surgical. So I lead the medical part of it. And so now we have patients, and we've hired some nurse practitioners to help uh, flesh out that service. And so now we have patients who come, they kind of go through the Center for Weight Management at our hospital, but if they decide that they want to go the medical route, they come up to our office and they're seen. We do fibro scans uh, to assess the fatty liver aspect of it. We actually now have a GI nutritionist who helps us with our IBD and our IBS and celiac patients, but also helps us with the weight management patients. We also work with the Center for Weight Management's nutritionists. We have a behavioral therapist that they go see as well. and. Um, we're basically just really pushing the lifestyle um, aspect of it. And then there are new medications that have come out that we also prescribe. And so it's kind of like a very comprehensive, multifaceted approach to obesity with and the way I approach it is it's a chronic disease. It's a chronic relapsing, remitting disease that we need to treat just like we treat hypertension and diabetes. And so 
the same way I talk to patients about obesity and we talk about fatty liver and all the other downstream effects of it. And so that's how it's become part of our practice. That's incredible. I mean, you really have developed a pretty robust and multifaceted approach to obesity care um, in a community setting, which I think has been really challenging for many practices to develop. What have been some lessons learned or um, other best practices that you could pass along to others who want to try and develop a similar service line? It's really interesting, and especially it was revving up during the time of pandemic. So one thing I learned is that you can do obesity management via telemedicine, which I didn't necessarily think was ever something you could do. I'm very happy to be back in the office now and seeing these patients, but some of the patients I'm still doing telemedicine and it works for them. We check in. Um, One thing that we did pre-pandemic and that I've brought back now are these kind of two-week weigh-ins where people come in. They see me every two to three months, but they're coming in between to kind of stay accountable and talk to our medical assistant about what's going on. We have a meal replacement program as well, and that has been helpful for uh, for patients who have busy jobs and who are on the go. So some of these turnkey services have been helpful. Uh, Doing the obesity curriculum, I think, is really helpful. It's been very critical for me and staying up to date with that because there are new medications coming out all the time. There's one that just came out uh, at the end of last year that I've become an early prescriber for called Plenity, and it actually has no true side effects or interactions with other medications. So staying on top of the obesity literature is really important. And just if you build it, they will come, honestly. That's what I found because there was a need. A lot of people are scared of bariatric surgery, and I understand why. Obviously, I think it does work for a lot of people, but we all, as gastroenterologists, we always see the complications or the weight regain associated with it. And so having all these different options from a medical perspective is really helpful because previously we were losing 90% of the population because they didn't want to undergo surgery. And so now we're able to capture that market better. And we also do some endoscopic procedures such as uh, the overstitch or um, outlet reduction for patients who have weight regain after gastric bypass. So again, it's a very multifaceted approach to uh, obesity medicine. Bravo, you've clearly put a lot of effort into developing um, this aspect of your practice. Um, And you bring a lot of passion to it as well. Um, I'm curious, do you know offhand how many GI physicians are boarded in obesity medicine? I'm not sure, actually. That's a good question. Obesity medicine, the uh, people who take the boards usually tend to be primary care and some surgeons and OBGYN. But in terms of GI, I'm not sure, actually. It sounds like it served you very well. (laughs) Thanks. Um, and your passion uh, trickles over into social media as well. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing on that platform. Sure. So about a year ago during pandemic, I had a little bit extra time on my hands at that time. So decided to launch a social media account. I had been lurking on social media for a while, following some of the medical accounts and just seeing that there was a lot of, there was a gap a lot of the times. There are certain influencers who are out there who peddle certain supplements or whose evidence or who don't who practice things that aren't really backed by evidence. And so I thought it would be a good time to jump in and basically talk about aspects of GI, aspects of obesity medicine, kind of just a healthy lifestyle in general uh, and bring that to the populace. And so I it kind of started that way. But what what has come of it was was really interesting, and I wasn't expecting this kind of reaction, was a lot of 
women who were either pre-meds or in medical school, I guess it struck a chord with them because they saw someone who looked like them or who didn't necessarily follow a traditional path into medicine, uh, be a doctor and a mother and a wife and be able to do all of these things. And it, I think for some of these people, it said, okay, maybe this is something I can pursue. And um, I've had some sessions for pre-meds and run some webinars for them. And I think it's been useful and just being able to put your voice out there, what a gastroenterologist does. A lot of, when I started in medical school, I didn't really know what a gastroenterologist did. And it's helpful to know. I think at that, if I was in their shoes now, it'd be good to know. And looking back on my time, knowing what a colonoscopy is, what an endoscopy is, all these kind of simpler things that we just take for granted now are still mind blowing for a lot of people. So being able to use my platform for education and empowerment, I think has been um, where I've come from for it. I don't know where you find the time, but I'm so (laughs) glad that you do. (laughs) And tell us a little bit more. Have you found that your Instagram presence has had an impact on your practice? Yes, I I believe it has. I feel that some people have followed me and then have come to be patients of mine. So that in that way, it's impacted. I have um, been able to actually be a consultant for certain startups, and that's been helpful to our practice uh, in kind of embedding them into our practice for either clinical trials. And I just think that having the kind of exposure is helpful. I think it makes patients able to relate to you better. And they see that you're also a person who, you know, is just trying to get through the day and manage dinner time and, but still also manage work. And so it's been helpful. And we've had good response from our patients who have seen it. I actually went to my dermatologist a few weeks ago and one of her medical assistants recognized me. And so it was kind of hilarious. And she's like, I love it because you just like talk about all the different things you do and we don't necessarily get to know what the life of a doctor is like. And so it was, it was kind of hilarious. It was my first like celebrity sighting kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Brushes with fame at the dermatologist. (laughs) And uh, tell us, have you noticed or um, uh, felt any negative consequences of being um, a little bit more uh, public about your, your life? Yes, definitely. With the good comes the bad. Definitely have trolls out there. And I remember I posted a picture of me getting my flu shot. This was even not even the COVID vaccine. This was just the flu vaccine. And I got a million different comments from anti-vaxxers on their just, you know, saying all sorts, calling me all sorts of names and things like that. So that didn't feel great, but obviously I stand by getting vaccines. And so it's not something that's going to change what I do. I'll still be putting evidence-based care out there. So it was not really going to stop me. I mean, I think there are people who've go through a lot worse. I've had a few trolls here and there, but overall it's been a positive experience. That's fantastic. Um, again, I'm not quite sure how you do all that you do, uh, but what advice do you have for young women who are considering a career in medicine? I mean, you've been a vocal advocate for um, supporting women as they go through their medical training. Um, what messages do you have for those coming behind us? So, you know, I think it's a lot of times women are often discouraged from maybe pursuing medicine because it's a long path. But I would say that if you're very passionate about it, find people that you identify with, find people 
in terms of a life mentor or a research mentor, or you, you can have many different mentors for different aspects of your life. And it's important to collect those people and always just talk to them to help have them talk you through different um, problems that you may have. Because doing things alone is just not the way to do it. And make sure there's a lot of, I think social media actually is very good for that now. There is a lot of advocacy and empowerment out there. So I actually answer most of my direct messages that I get. And a lot of the physicians who are on either Instagram or Twitter, they answer a lot of direct messages too. And so making sure that you either shadow a particular specialty that you may be interested in. When I was an intern, I had this possible interest in gastroenterology. And so I made sure I did all the GI elective rotations and things like that. So just exposing yourself as much as possible to the different fields that you could be think of, make sure you have good mentors. And just if you want to do be a surgeon, be a surgeon. If you want, like, don't let call schedules and, you know, perceived poor lifestyle affect it because there's always ways to make it work for you. Because even as a gastroenterologist, as you know, uh, Dr. Matthew, that we take call and we have to go in in the middle of the night. But and we're always worried about are we you know leaving our kids and feeling bad about that. But, you know, I think there is always ways to make things work. I think that's well said. Balance is always tricky. Um, but I think when you're steering your own ship, you can find ways to really achieve the goals of a robust and fulfilling professional life um, while still living a, a personal life that you choose. Agree. I think yeah. there's always ways to make it work. Of all of the many, many accomplishments and um, programs that you've built since starting in practice, is there is there one area that you are most proud of? I would say that, can I have two? I'll give you two. Okay. <laughs> so I am very proud of the motility program we built, but I think that was long time coming. The two that I'm most proud of are the obesity, the weight management center that we've done, because I think it's really on um, the cutting edge of what's going on in obesity medicine right now, but while being in the community and being able to take things from tertiary care and be able to offer a lot of those things. I'm very proud of what we built. And then I am proud of our infusion suite, actually, because it was very nice. We, we had you know these nascent thoughts about it back in 2018, and it ended up just doing really well. We have a lot of a big IBD population in our uh, area. And being able to have these patients come to the office and not have to go to the hospital and you know deal with all the kind of issues in the hospital. It's just been a huge quality of life change for all those patients. And they've said it time and time again, how much they appreciate our infusion suite. And, you know, we're a smaller practice, but, you know, we have several hundred patients coming in for their infusions every week. And it's, it's been a huge uh, game changer for us. Congratulations. You certainly have done quite a bit. <laughs> Um, tell our listeners where they can find you on the gram and uh, where they can find out more about integrated gastroenterology consultants. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is gutsygirlmd. And I talk about all things GI, obesity medicine. I have some recipes on there, healthy lifestyle and some lifestyle and family stuff thrown in for good measure. And my husband's also a gastroenterologist, so we kind of talk a little bit about dual physician household and what that's like and the craziness that ensues with having two GI physicians as parents. I'm sure my children have a lot to say about it. And uh, on uh, online, you can find my practice website. It's integratedgic.com. And if you live in Massachusetts or New Hampshire and are interested 
to check us out uh, as a patient, you can visit our website and check us out. Thank you so much for joining us. I think we could talk for another hour. <laughs> we will wrap things up. Uh, so thank you again, Dr. Rao, for joining us on the Gastro Broadcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.